listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out and open with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, like I said, my name is Joe Bevilacqua. I'm the lead pastor here. If you are new, I'd love to be able to shake your hand today. Hey, we're going to be wrapping up what has been a whole season here at the church, really three months, where we started talking about brazen Jesus and how God is not a wuss, that he doesn't want his followers to be a bunch of wusses. And yeah, one woo on that, but... It was empowering. And, and then we got into Armor Up, a series about the armor of God. And then the last three weeks, uh, today included, have been our field guide to spiritual warfare. I love it. We've gone through an extended season talking about us being Christians that can overcome and be victorious in this world. And today, we are going to be crowning this whole series and season talking about the shield of faith. Ephesians chapter 6 the Bible says this, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having gird your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, the shield of faith uh, the, the shield that the Roman soldier would be using, and that's what Paul is doing. He's, he's looking at a praetorian guard. He's in prison. He's looking at this guard. And what the guard is, is gilded with, what he is, what he is clad with, if you will, is what the, the apostle Paul is using to give a spiritual analogy, a metaphor for, for our armor of God, the, the things spiritually we need to put on. And he, he sees the shield, and he says, that right there, that, is the shield of faith. Now, the Roman shield actually was made, if you could think of, almost like rough carpentry, much thinner than a two-by-four, maybe like a one-by-one, but it'd be a large rectangle, and uh, it would have some structure in it, but it was made so that it could be hollow. And what they would do is they would take different uh, layers of tanned leather, highly tanned leather, and they would, they would put these layers down, and then they would have certain different kinds of adhesives that they would put down in each layer. They'd put down another layer, and they would rinse and repeat, so to speak, for six to eight layers of this leather. Now, here's what happened, and we didn't stumble onto this until the 1900s, okay? And that is this. It, in essence, laminated it. It sealed it together somewhat how we picture bulletproof technology where it's multiple layers. Not how thick it is, but the multiple layers stop an attack. That's exactly what they were doing. Now, it was very, very thick, and it was, it was a thicker type of leather as well where uh, almost in between leather that we would understand and, and like rawhide, okay? Very thick, very tough, and it was designed to be able to come against an arrow attack or a spear attack. Now, we talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago about prayer arrows and how we, we uh, send our prayers to God and that, that, can, that can attack the enemy, deal with the enemy long range. But realize this, we have an enemy that can send fiery darts we just read to us. And so the shield of faith, the idea with a Roman soldier was these, these arrows are gonna come, these fiery darts are gonna come and you wanna be able to absorb the blow. 
You know, those of us that are a little bit removed from hunting, uh, I was, by the way, for the longest time. I never hunted an animal until I was 29 years old. And now I can't get my mind off from getting the North American black bear, getting over there to Kodiak Island and, and Alaska. I, there's no reason to go to Alaska. You know what I'm talking about? They show the, oh, it's so beautiful, we're going to go to a cruise. I'm thinking, like, what did he do wrong that you're punishing him on a cruise to Alaska, right? But now I'm salivating over a bear. Oh, Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost when I say that. Anyway, but what was I even preaching about? Okay, uh, we're a little bit removed from that because we don't have to hunt to eat. But you go back several generations, and they had to hunt to eat, and they knew the power of the bow and arrow. Uh, in antiquity, I think about the Comanche Indians, and the Comanches, of course, they were known to be hotheads that actually they still are. They're in Stillwater, Oklahoma. They're nuts. But anyway, uh, the Comanches were uh, those that would go and rob horses, and they, were, they would become very rich in their horses, and that became their downfall in many ways. Not my message, but they loved to attack from their horses with bow and arrow, and they were a force to be reckoned with. A Comanche Indian could get six, sometimes seven arrows into the air before the first one hit the ground. And I'm telling you, they, they were quick at it, and these arrows were a force to be reckoned with. In fact, there's a, a famous bear hunter, amongst other things that he hunted. His name was Fred Bear, and he would give a demonstration, call a 20- or 40-foot uh, 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 span. He'd put a big bag of sand on one side, and he'd fire a gun into the bag of sand, and then he'd fire an arrow to the bag of sand, and people were amazed to find out the bullet would stop in the sand, but the arrow... Whew, would go straight through it. We think that it's kind of a wussy thing. It's a lesser weapon. I'm telling you, an arrow can mess you up. And so we're a little bit removed from that. But even in antiquity, when we go all the way back to Roman times, you'll find that those guys, they knew it. And when all of a Roman legion archers would be out front and they'd draw back and they'd start casting, they were doing it as fast as they can, the, the, the sky would become darkened with all of the arrows that were coming down. And uh, what they would actually do is they would use these shields to defend against these arrows. Now, it was for protection, but it was also for advance. See, we think of armor or, or these weapons as something that's one-dimensional. It's either for defense or offense. It was for both, and many of the pieces of the armor got are the same way. Now, your faith, your shield of faith, if you will, is an important part of the armor. But listen to me, and I've even preached it wrong before. It's not the most important part. When the Apostle Paul says, above all, taking the shield of faith, he's not saying it's, it's above all, it's the most important thing, it's, it's, it's number one. He's not really conveying that. In fact, if you're wondering what the most important part of the armor of God is, it's actually the belt of truth. It's the word of God. Everything else comes together at that hinge point. It all depends on God's word. Now, I'm going to give you a point, and then I'm going to qualify what I just said. Number one, write it down. The word of God is the most important thing in your life, and it's the word that gives us faith. We, we, we want a shield of faith. You have to understand that it's the word of God. It's, it's so principled. So when he says, above all, take the shield of faith, Really, a better translation of Greek there would be this. Out in front of everything, take the shield of faith. So again, you know, you can have the helmet. You can have the breastplate of righteousness, some, some really sweet Nikes. Like, it's all good, right? But, but if you don't have the shield of faith, there's going to be spots in your armor where you are exposed. And to be protected, to be covered, it takes the shield 
to secure that. Does that make sense, everybody? Out in front. And you know, that makes me think. Our, our shield has to be out in front in our life. The life that you lived in the past, the, the, the maybe areas that you failed in the past, you can't apply faith to that. You might need faith to overcome the memory of it, but you can't fight that battle again. It's done. You can't fight other people's battles. Now, parents, you have a limited authority with your kids, but they still get a vote, especially as they get older and that authority goes off and they become adults. And I also think about this. You know, we can intercede for people that are, that are in our circle. That's true. But, but listen, ultimately, they can do something that can self-sabotage. They can do something that can take them down a road that you can't control. And so it is your shield of faith. Write this down. You can apply faith to win past battles. Write it down. Our faith must be put out in front of it all. You've got to realize that whatever's happening on the sides in your periphery, that's fine. And you might have a limited influence in that. Whatever's happened in the past, you've got to let that go. But the attack, the battle, the, the ground you have to take in front of you, that's what you need the shield of faith for. Say amen, somebody. Amen. And somebody asked, where do we get faith, Pastor Joe? Glad you asked. The Bible says this in Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, you might ask somebody and say, Pastor Joe, you know, uh, I heard uh, that, that, that little kids have faith. Doesn't the Bible say that little kids, little kids have faith? Should we have childlike faith? Uh, I've met some kids, and there's a natural trust maybe that Jesus was talking about that kids have because they learn to depend on their mamas. And it is very rare to see a kid that doesn't have that natural trust and affinity for their mom. But, but I've met a lot of kids that they're not full of faith. I've met a lot of kids serving back in kids' ministry. They're full of the devil. And um, <clears throat> I thank God that they didn't have cameras back in the kids' church I served in because I, I, I remember that one kid we had to bring out every single week, my Lanta, enough to make a preacher swear in Jesus' name. And so, like, like listen, I've met kids. Being young doesn't mean you automatically have faith. Here's another one. People say, oh, well, my granny has faith. She knows Jesus. Okay, she might. But I've met a lot of old people that grew older but never grew up. And, and they're a bunch of spoiled brats. So being old, having, having you know, some wrinkles under your eyes and whiter hair doesn't mean that you automatically know God. It doesn't mean that you're a person of faith. And sometimes we think these things, but the Bible says what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Write this down. Number two, we get faith when we hear the word of God. And I'm going someplace with this, guys. We get faith. How do you, how do you have that shield of faith? It's by hearing the word of God in a consistent way. Each Roman soldier, though, and I found this very interesting, they had their own shield. And that tells me this, is that your faith is personal. It is between you and God. Write it down. Your faith is personal. That's a massive deal because you cannot be a grandfather in the kingdom. If your mom and dad have a relationship with God or grandparents or you came from ministry in your background, it doesn't mean that you, like, you get to come into this club by assimilation, like I'm a card member. This isn't Sam's Club, everybody. Like, like you have to have a relationship with your God. But at the same time, those Romans did something interesting with those shields. And I'll tell you what it is. Remember I said they were big rectangles. They would take them, and uh, of course they had all that tan leather on it. They had the wood that was a little bit of almost like rough carpentry on the inside, but they sealed up all of that, that leather and, and, uh, and construction with brass on the edges, and that brass had almost like tongue and groove hardware on each side. Here's what it was for. 
if a whole army was approaching them and they were going to send those arrows coming over, when they would see them coming, they would go into something called tortoise formation. All the guys would get together and tongue and groove, their shields would fit together on the front line, not just for the front, but the next group of guys would go over and they would actually have a little bit of an eave going over and then the next guys would go over and they would create a massive, the whole legion would have a big tortoise shell over it and it would hit on those, but they would be spared. And that shows me something. If the Apostle Paul says that the shield of faith is something that we have, it shows me this, write it down. Your faith is linked to church community. It is personal. It is between you and God. This is true. But Jesus died to build something, right? A church. He said the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. And churches and a TV show. That's why recently, if you didn't know, we stopped live streaming our services. Because I love you, Zuckerberg. It's over. It's done, everybody. We got to go live our lives. And if you're watching at home because you have a pre-existing condition or you're ill in some way or you're a truck driver or something like that, we're still going to provide the messages online. But listen, it isn't going to be live because church is not a TV show. The church is when the gathering of the saints happens under authority with common mission and we take ground. Can I hear an amen? Your faith is linked to church community, friend. It is huge. There's nothing like the strength and encouragement that you'll get when you're around other people of like faith, other people to encourage you and inspire you. It helps to be around other people, and you might be able to hear that they've gone through something that you're going through. You know, the devil wants to make you think you're the only one dealing with an issue, and all of a sudden you find out, oh my gosh, they went through it and they became victorious in it. They won. How'd you do it? How'd you win? How'd, how'd you come out on top? And, and you need church to do that why it's so important that it's a part of our life. Now, i got to move on. The shape of that Roman shield, it actually looked like a small door. And it was made that way on purpose. And they don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg, whether it got its name from being called a door or whether doors were being named after it. And here's what I mean. The Greek word for shield is thoros. It literally means door. And in this context, in the exact words Paul uses, shield. Now, it was tall and it was wide, like a small door. And in the same way, we think of door as like an opening. The, the people in antiquity, they, they wouldn't think of the door as the opening. They'd think of like the actual physical door as the door and then an opening as an opening. And here's the idea with all of it. Number three, the shield of faith works like a door. It's telling you something. And so... When we say door, we're not talking about the opening, we're talking about the covering, and we have to realize this, we all have openings in our life. We all have areas that are exposed. Let me put it that, that way, okay? Here's what I mean. You might have an opening in your life called fear. You might really deal with fear. You get good news or bad news. If times are going really well, you think, oh, man, when's the next foot going to drop? Because I know it's coming. If things are bad happening, you think, ah, oh, it always rains on me. And, and you get consumed with fearful thoughts. God does not want you to live with that door open. Can I hear an amen? He wants you to close the door. If you use the shield of faith like a door, you'll be able to close the door on unwanted things. And if you don't, anything and, and really everything can just walk into your life. 
Imagine if you came home from church this afternoon and you went through your neighborhood and you're admiring the snow's gone and everything and then you pull into your, your driveway and you look over and it's like, our door's gone. And, and you go up to your house and, and you, you survey the whole scene. You walk through your house. It's like they didn't steal anything else, but somebody stole our front door. I don't know. What a weirdo. I mean, you're going to find something to put over it today. You're not going to let any time go by. How exposed would you feel with a front door open? Imagine if you went down to the JW Marriott and they said, sir, I'm sorry, it's our last room. Do you still want it? You said, yes, I'll take it. You get all the way up there. And you, if you've ever been there, you look down the scariest drop in the world when you go off the elevators and, and you go down, you find your room and you get to the end of the hallway and yours is the only one that you've seen in the whole hotel and it doesn't have a door on it. Are you going to stay there? You can go in. I don't care if there's no hair in the sink. I don't care how clean the sinks are. I, I don't care if you brought a blue light with you just to check. I, I don't know. Like, there's no door. I'm not sleeping here. I feel very vulnerable in that spot. You know what I'm talking about? I'll tell you. So we, we don't live in the country. I grew up in the country. We live in the pseudo country, enough where Kaya feels like she is in the country. <laughs> Kaya grew up in Standale, which is French for Standale. She, <laughs> she's a city slicker. And so we live in the country. And I live in a fake city. I live in a city called Cedar Rock. We're too cool for Cedar Springs, and Rockford doesn't want us, okay? Like we, it's all good. Rockford doesn't like a lot of people. And so, so, <laughs> and so, so we live in the country, and I could tell you, if I didn't have a door on my house, those skunks I've been smelling are going to come into my house, and as cute as my kids think those squirrels are, they'd be like eating up my, like, it wouldn't take long for something you don't want to enter into your world. And we think that that's silly. That's goofy. No one would ever do that. Yet that's how many of you live your life. With your door wide open. Wide open. You live life without a door. And you open yourself up for any old thing that comes along. There was a man in the Bible, and he got hit in the teeth, man. He got hit hard. Lost everything. Lost his livelihood. The devil was beating him up, and in so much, he actually was even struck with sickness. It was a bad deal. But in the middle of the book, describing the situation, that man that was so attacked by the enemy, he said this about himself. His name was Job, Job 3.25. He says, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. In other words, all the stuff, I had an open door, and the enemy was able to attack me. Well, you say, Pastor Joe, I read the first part of it, and it almost seems like God's giving permission. Let me tell you something. God had to give permission because Job already gave permission. He just said it. Well, Job also said that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. You read the end of the book of Job where he repents for ever saying those words because he ascribed evil to God. The Bible says in the book of James that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. So listen to me. Job is saying, my fear was an open door. I lit this into my life. If you remember, God has this weird interaction with Satan at the beginning. And at the beginning of that book, I'm, I'm kind of giving a little bit of a, a foreshadowing on it for those of you that like extra homework. Go read it. It's very interesting. When God says, but you can't take his life, do you know why? Job didn't fear for his life. You couldn't take his life. It was a statement of fact. You can't do it. And he didn't say, okay, go ahead, go get him. He says, behold, all that's in his uh, life is in your hands. He, that's another statement of fact because 
We gave the authority of this world over to the enemy of our soul. Here's what I'm trying to say. We have to realize that the enemy is trying to steal our lunch, but it's almost like he's driving through the neighborhood and he's just looking for whoever didn't lock their windows, has their door wide open, trying to scan who doesn't have an ADT sign, you know what I mean, spiritually, and, and try to see where there's an in. He's an opportunist. And the Bible says he walks about like a roaring lion. He's not one. Our God, our Jesus, is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But he walks about like one, seeking whom he may devour. Who may he devour? That's bad English, good preaching. He may devour those that have the open door in their life. Fear opens the door. It's like blood to a shark. It says, come on in, attack. Have free reign because I'm afraid. Wow. Well, you and I are called to be people to shut that door in our life. You have the ability to do it, and it's actually the shield of faith that's going to close up that opening. And, and think of it back in the context of war. If you don't have the shield, there's areas of the armor where you're unprotected, just like a door being cracked. So, so to have that shield up in your life is massive. When you say, Pastor Joe, I can't do it. I have small faith. I don't understand all this stuff. I don't know how to, uh, how to come against the devil. What are you asking me to do? I have a scripture for you, and I think it's going to help. Romans 12 and verse 3, the Bible says this, God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. Why, why does that have anything to do with this? Okay, the Roman soldiers, and this is very interesting, different than standard issue in the military where they just give you the common gun, common ammunition, common outfit, you know, you might have a different size shoe, but that's really the variation, okay? It's different in the Roman legion. Everything had to be made custom. And so when they made your shield, they weren't going to waste one bit of that leather or that brass on somebody that didn't need the cover. And so what they would do is, if you were a smaller guy, you had a smaller shield. If you were a bigger guy, you had a bigger shield. Now, we think of that as though everybody was an adult. They weren't. Some guys were young when they joined in all of this, and so they would be growing. And so don't feel bad. If you're still growing in your faith, you don't know everything, listen to me, you're in really good company. I don't know everything. There's a lot of things I don't know, uh, enough to fill a book. Let me just help you with that. And, and the reason why you've gotten anything out of my teaching is because I bathe myself in the Word of God to not look foolish when I come up here, okay? That, that's it. You're in good company of people that are trying to figure this out altogether. But as you're growing, your shield can grow. They'd swap it out. They'd, they'd have a guy design a bigger one, tell me what your dimensions are. And so it could develop with them in the same way you say, I don't have a lot of faith. I'm, I'm just a little guy. You still have a shield. It's a gift from God, and you have enough to be covered. Do you want a bigger shield? Do you want to be able to take on bigger giants? Oh, absolutely, and you will. But don't feel bad because you start small. We said in the series before, God often starts small, but he ends really big. Amen, somebody? And so it's not so much that you have the biggest shield in the whole army. It's that you use it in the, 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 the shield of faith. It works like a door. Now, we need to use the shield to close some doors in our life. And God wants to be the one to help us close these doors. I'm going to read for you a story out of the book of Genesis. I love the book of Genesis because almost the entire Bible, in fact, I would argue the entire Bible, is in the book of Genesis in kit form, in seed form. It cites so many things. It talks about faith, and it talks, it, it just, it's all there. And I want to read a story just about Abram. I'm going to read one passage and then give you some insight. Genesis 15, 1. Scripture says, after these things, remember that, 
After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. He says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. See, the Lord wants to do that. Abram was dealing with some extremely negative thoughts, some unruly fear, and some of it was based in truth. Throw that slide up there, guys, and write this down. Negative thoughts may come into your life without an active negative circumstance. I mean, you might be driving down the road, nothing's going wrong, and you'll have negative thoughts. But negative circumstances never come without negative thoughts. It's a lot of negatives in there. I probably could have worded that better. But, but here's what I'm trying to say. If you're going through it, you're going to be attacked in your mind as well as in the situation. But there's going to be many times in your life where nothing is actually going wrong, but you'll be attacked as though it is. Have you ever uh, put on one of those VR headsets? I took my kids to Craig's Cruisers uh, this past week, and they had a roller coaster, but it was with a VR headset, and they are on a roller coaster the whole time. And I'm watching the kids filming them, and they're going, ah, whoa, ah, Jack's pointing at things that aren't there. And, and what happened? He fooled himself into thinking that he was there. How many of you have ever had that dream, and, and it's one of those dreams just before you wake up, inevitably, but it's one of those dreams where you're falling, you go, ugh. See, I've learned to not trust my flesh. I've learned not to even trust my gut on things. Well, I got a gut feeling about people. I don't. I've learned not to trust that. Some of the people that I was just charmed by seemed like the most wonderful people in the world were the dirtiest snakes in the garden. And <laughs> praise God. And so what I've, <laughs> you might have met them. And so what I've learned is this, is that you can't trust your feelings. And when you have those negative thoughts come to your head, it can feel just as real as though you're going through something. That scripture started out with saying, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. After what things? Uh, for those of you that like extra homework, Genesis 14 is where you need to turn. You can read about some of it, but there was four kings that came from hundreds of miles around, and they were going to attack Abram. And uh, in the process of doing so, they abducted Lot, and they abducted uh, many people inside the camp. And Abram was beside himself. He wanted to rescue his nephew Lot and get him out of harm's way. And so he devised a very clever way of, of going after these guys and making these, uh, these four kings in this enemy camp think that he was way more people than him and his group of guys was, especially because uh, these guys were a great number and, and Abram was far, far inferior in, in total number. But he got into the camp, he rescued out Lot and some of the other guys, and once he got out of all that junk, they were in safety, but all of a sudden the second foot does drop. And Abram begins to think, they're bigger than me. They came a long way already. And he starts to think about, about attack, about, about these guys might come in, and they might not just abduct people now. Now they might kill them. And so as he's rehearsing all of these things, the person who's eventually called the father of faith in Scripture, God walks in at his lowest moment and says, Abram, I am your shield. I am the door. I don't fear, fear not, I'm your shield here. And I'm going to tell you something. You might be going through low moments right now. And you might be going through attack. And it is no mistake that you're in this room. Listen to me, friend. Don't fear. Fear not. The Lord is your shield. You are in the right place at the right time. And God Almighty wants to stand and fight for his kids. You let the Lord fight the battle. Can I hear an amen, somebody? <laughs> Write this down. The shield of faith is what gives us the ability to combat fear, worry, and negative thoughts. 
And buddy, I'm going to tell you, those things right there are often just as strong as a real attack. But the shield of faith gives you the strength to be able to stand up against all that garbage and be victorious. Now listen, Satan attacks with both negative circumstances and negative thoughts. Negative circumstances will always have negative thoughts, but those negative thoughts are going to knock at your door. When they do, you take up your shield of faith and you reject that junk. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Now, i got to wrap this up. Ephesians 6.16, we read it. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. How would the Roman soldier deal with these arrows that were coming at him, with the fiery arrows that they would face? Uh, so the, the Roman shield, like I said, it was laminated. And uh, six to eight layers of this leather, it was very, very important that it was laminated. And it was, the idea was that, that these arrows would not pierce the armor. It would stop some way through. They'd be able to pull them out. But at the same time, you're dealing with something that is an organic substance. And so if you didn't take good care of it, it would become very brittle. How many of y'all have bought uh, rawhide bones from the dollar store because they're cheaper? You don't care that your dog is struggling, popping a tooth out. doesn't really matter. It was cheaper than Myers, right? Praise God. And uh, I do the same thing. But I found some of those things, when we were just even bringing them in, they'd break. Not because they were so thin, but because they were so dehydrated of anything. They're just a different quality altogether. There's no bend, no play. They would just shatter. Actually, it'd make the dog sick because he'd be breaking up into little pieces and it made him ill. And in the same way, that, that hide, the seven to eight layers, you didn't want it to become brittle. You could imagine a thin sheet of ice, right? You could shoot an arrow straight through it, small little, it'd go straight through. Same way with this leather. And so what they would do is they'd wake up every day, part of their maintenance routine, and they would oil that leather. They'd take care of it. They'd love that, that, that shield. They would love on it. They'd spend time oiling it. Now, listen to me. Oil is always shown to be the presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. What these guys were doing is symbolic of what we need to do. Jesus did it. You wake up early and you spend time with God. Somebody says, well, I have, I have my quiet time. I got to tell you, I don't even preach quiet time because I don't do it. I have church. That's what I have. Kai just said, mm-hmm, because that's what's happened. My kids know what phase of me getting ready is when they start hearing the preacher come on. Because I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to listen to a message. I'm not having quiet time and pondering deep things. Kumbaya, can someone braid my hair? I don't do it. Maybe you do that. That's your temperament. Praise the Lord. I have church. I, I get into the presence of God because I'm going to tell you something. This dude will get narrow and religious and brittle and ineffective if I don't have the presence of God active in my life. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. As long as we've been open as a church, nobody, nobody is going to out-worship your senior pastor. I am down at the front getting into the presence of God. And I might not be doing as much fireworks as everybody else, but I'm telling you, I'm seeking God because I believe the worship leader is the person seeking God and worshiping him the deepest. Now, that's no indictment on this band. They do an incredible job. But listen to me. I, this guy, needs that oil in my life. Scripture says this in Psalm 92.10, I have been anointed with fresh oil. Some of you guys are relying on some, like, some former relationship you had with God and you're not current with him. 
You believe it's all true. You agree with all of it. And God's not looking for your agreement. He's looking for relationship with his kid. God has fresh oil, fresh anointing for your life. I got to move on. Now, that would be good for a normal arrow, that oil. But what about a flaming arrow? Three kinds of arrows. Number one was just a normal arrow. Number two, they would dip it in tar, just the normal arrow, and they would light it on fire and they would send that out. But the third type is the type that Paul was talking about here, these fiery darts from the wicked one. What were they? There was a certain reed that grew, and they would harvest it from this area but send it all over the Roman Empire. And it was hollow on the inside. They would take pitch and they would seal one side of it and then they would pack it full of combustible material. They'd seal it up and make that whole shaft into an arrow. And here's what would happen. When they would send it through the air, it would go and it would hit. And it was actually what military people would tell you is the first version of a combustible missile, an arrow missile in antiquity. It would go and it would blow up. And, and commentators on the Bible, they would say that it would draw out the worst in people. I mean, you can imagine like in Vietnam, you've heard of napalm burning you while you're, I mean, you can't get the fire out and, and people would be just screaming and, and enraged. And, and the devil wants to send that into your life. Anybody else besides me have an arrow coming at you? You're just like, that's one arrow, no big deal. And then it hits and all hell breaks loose? Where did this come from? I thought it was arrow. It's not arrow. I got hit by a bomb. Everything's going down. What's happening? Why are we all sick? Why is everybody angry at everybody? Why, why is my boss angry? It ain't the full moon. I'm telling you, something else happening. Like, you know what I'm talking about, everybody? And if you don't know how to wear this armor well, you're going to look at arrows coming at you and you underestimate them. But the trained and the learned would look at those and they'd never underestimate one of them. They treated one like it could be the worst. And so how would they combat them? Very, very interesting. Oil and water don't mix. But leather responds a certain way to oil and it responds a certain way to water. And they can respond at the same time in leather. So this highly tanned leather, what they would do is they'd go down to a creek or, or to a body of water and they'd soak this shield in the water. The oil made it, so it, it was something that was impenetrable. It would be hard, but not brittle. It would be tough, it'd be thick. But the water would saturate it, so whenever these arrows would hit, it might blow up, but it would not be something that could take them down. It wouldn't light on fire. It would, their words, quench the dart. What is water in the Word of God? It is the Word of God. Oil is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Water is the, is the written Word of God. Listen to me. All of the armor of God it is like spaghetti. It links together. It's the same thing, and it's different at the same time. What do you need to do? You need to spend your life in the presence of God, being aware of His presence, going into work aware of His presence. But then you've got to get in that book. Because listen, I came from the North Country, everybody. I needed the cookies on the bottom shelf. I don't understand these hard concepts. You need to get yourself into the book like I did and begin to understand this thing. Begin to reconcile your life. It is so simple and shallow and so deep at the same time. And here's what happens. You don't have to know everything. Just get it wet. Didn't have to be special water. Just get it wet. And when those darts come, it totally extinguishes the dart. Second Timothy puts it this way. Hold fast. 
to the pattern of sound words, which you've heard from me in faith and love, which, you, uh, which are in uh, Christ Jesus. He says, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. So he's talking about the Word and the Holy Spirit, the presence of God and the Word of God. Christian, listen to me. Your life needs to be saturated with both. If you came from a church that just emphasized the Word of God, praise the Lord, you have a start. But it is the Word and the Spirit active in your life in the form of a shield of faith, closing doors on the enemy, closing doors on your past, closing doors on attack, and standing your ground. And having done all the stand, you should stand there for. And that is how you quench those darts. Write this down, number four, to experience the defense advantage of our faith. We have to feed and maintain it daily with our relationship with God. Relationship, relationship. That's what God's looking for. If you don't take care of your faith, you're going to be exposed, buddy. And so the armor of God, our our waist has the belt of truth around it. Our feet are shod with the gospel of peace. We have the breastplate of righteousness We have the helmet of salvation. We have these arrows, these prayer arrows. We've got a long game going on. We have the sword of the Spirit. We have the shield of faith. And Scripture says this, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And having done all to stand, stand. When you clad your life with the armor of God, You are not a victim anymore. You look like God to the enemy. You have an enemy that's trying to steal your lunch. He wants to destroy everything you've ever worked for. He wants to kill you and everyone that you love. He wants to rob you from your purpose. But Jesus said in John 10.10 that he come that you might have life and have it to the full. Say amen, somebody. And when we become a church who knows the brazen Jesus... When we become a church that armors up with the armor of God, when we have our field guide to spiritual warfare, there is no devil in hell that can wage an attack against you or your family. Ladies and gentlemen, the armor of God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for meeting us here. God, we thank you for these tools that, God, yes, you left and you rose to heaven, but you did not leave us without recourse, that we are strong in your might. God, I pray that we would always know who we are in Christ, that we are armored with your strength. God, I pray for those that have been going through it, that, God, they continue that good fight of faith. It's not a fight to get it. It's a fight to keep it. Trust me. And, Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, Help me to find them in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you came into my auditorium today and you heard this message, you say, man, Pastor Joe, I believe it. I even believe in God, but my life's not right with God. If that's you in this place, don't leave in that same spot. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That eternal life that you're looking for, yes, it is heaven. It is eternity when you die, but eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts the moment you accept Christ. The peace and the joy and that strength that you're looking for, friend, it's found on the other end of amen. It's found on the other end of you giving your life to Christ. 
What does calling Jesus Lord mean? It means that you're done being the God over your own life. You're making him Lord. Lord just means boss. And if that's you, we're going to pray. Church, I want us to all pray out loud and proud. If you're meaning this from the bottom of your heart, I'm telling you, you'll be saved today. If you don't, you'll be just saying poetry. Out loud and proud, say it with me, church. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for those people that accepted Christ? Hallelujah. Proud of you. If you did pray that prayer, the reason why we're cheering is because we know the peace and the joy that's on the other end of that decision. Fill out one of those connection cards. Check the box that says, I accepted Christ. I want to send you a note talking about next steps that God has for you. One more time, church, let's give it up for those people.